This podcast contains general health information and shouldn't be relied on as medical advice. For health concerns, speak to your doctor. HCF doesn't endorse any statements or opinions made during this podcast. If the podcast makes you feel depressed or anxious and you need to talk to someone straight away, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Navigating Parenthood brought to you by HCF. My name is Catherine Cox, former Aussie Diamond and Netball World Champion, Channel 9 Netball Commentator and Mum, and today your podcast host. We're planning Season 3 of the Navigating Parenthood podcast, but while we work through the craziness of the year that is 2020, we've teamed up with our partner, Netball Australia, to bring you a special bonus episode. Today you'll hear from three very different families on how their lives have changed during the pandemic how they've handled the various stages of lockdown across the country and what we can do to ensure the best for our families and our own mental well-being. With the certainty of more change to come, we'll chat to our expert for advice on adapting to the new normal and how we can maintain some of the benefits from this situation over the long term. Because of ongoing restrictions and to make sure we place the health of our guests above all else, we'll be meeting our families today via video chat. I'm also joined by our expert, Kiralee Smout, clinical psychologist and founder of Calm Kids Central, who's here to offer insight and guidance for dealing with what's ahead and to give us tips on how to better manage our own mental health. Let's meet our first family. First up, it's Alison from Melbourne. Let's give her a buzz. Hi, Alison. How are you? Hi, Kath. I'm all right. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you for your time because I know you are very busy. You've got a big full household and it's all happening down there. So on that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I've got Hannah, who's four, uh, the littlest, and then I've got Em, who's six, who's the uh, netball fan in the house, and then Lucas and his eight. My partner, who um, travels quite a bit for work, but he's obviously not at the moment. Yeah, and, and we're um, in Victoria. Yes, you're in Victoria. So that's the thing. I mean, this is now your second lockdown. And on top of that, your beautiful daughter, Em, is um, having treatment for cancer. So how are you coping with all of that going on? Um, yeah, look, it's been really challenging. <laughs> I think it took us a little while kind of to admit that there were times we weren't coping and to kind of reach out for that help to different providers and, and support networks and playing a lot of Monopoly. <laughs> I can imagine. I did that a lot when we were in lockdown and I've only got the one child, so I can imagine how many board games you've been through. Just on the support though, you, you mentioned support and in a time like this I can imagine it's it's critical to have that. So how have you coped with not being able to see family and friends and have that social connection? Yeah, yeah. We video chat a lot and the kids are pretty connected with their friends now over Kids Messenger, which has been super helpful. Um, my son and his cohort of friends have worked out how to video chat each other and then get onto Minecraft in the same world oh. and, play, and play together. So have you you've been able to find a bit of time for yourself? It's not something I'm amazingly good at. But, yeah, like last Saturday we had PJ Day and I kind of went down to the bedroom. I watched a bit of netball. I read my book. And, you know, Lee kind of did the kid thing and then we swapped. So we're, try, we're trying to carve the time out. And did your doctor say it was important for Em to be out and doing yeah. some exercise? And what are the benefits yeah. of that being for her? You know, it lifts those spirits. Exercise brings those endorphins, doesn't it? And then even on the days when she doesn't have a lot of energy, 
we have a wheelchair we can utilize. So, you know, she puts a blanket on, her brother pushes her. Um, it's, you know, a family event. Yeah. Well, just on that, because Lucas is obviously and Hannah are missing friends, I'd imagine, and that, you know, that social connection as well. So how have they been coping not being able to see their friends? Look, it's been a bit up and down. So, you know, we had a couple of meltdowns at the start of the first lockdown. But, you know, we've got there and I think the Kids Messenger has kind of really helped with that. But Hannah, Hannah's my quirky third child. She likes to be called Hannah Banana, Queen of the Monkeys. Um, (laughs) But she's four. She uses her imagination a lot. Um, She's probably coped not too bad. And, you know, kinders have been running, which is helpful. Yeah. And how have they been going with Em's diagnosis as well? Do they understand what's happening there and how have they been going with that? Mm, So this one's kind of one of those evolving things, Kath. Like for Lucas, his understanding really has evolved and he's had a lot of support around him. But Hannah was three. She doesn't know any different. All her memories have been that Em has been sick with with brain cancer. She doesn't know anything else. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. Have you guys worked together on trying to keep the energy up and the spirits up and the mental well-being healthy in the family? We identified really early in M's diagnosis, never mind the pandemic, that it's really important that him and I talk and that we're kind of really truthful with each other about where we're at. And then out of that, we could have those really frank conversations about what the kids needed and about what's helpful for them and their mental health. And, you know, that's when we kind of identified that the kids' messenger would be really, really helpful for Lucas and for um, Emily. And we also identified that that exercise for them. You know, Hannah's four. She has energy to burn. She needs to, you know, get out for that walk. They can come and say hello. I can see you pushing children away. I've been doing that the whole lockdown myself. <laughs> I've got one doing schoolwork next to me. I think she's nearly finished. Who was who's doing their homework next to you? Emily. Oh, is she? What a cutie. <laughs> she's so cute. Seriously. Yeah. Is she going well though? We are having good response. Her tumor's responding to the chemotherapy and we actually have some nerve function through because she'd lost the left side of her mouth the whole way down, all the nerves had become paralyzed. And we've had return of function. So, oh, fantastic. Um, yes, yeah, it's really, really, really exciting. Um, but, yeah, she, said she does all right. Yeah, and so do you, Mum. You're amazing. So with all the, the negative stuff about the pandemic, have there been some things that you would think, oh, my gosh, if I had to do it again, if I was in lockdown a third time, I've aced it now? What, what would your tips be to other families in similar situations? You know, every household has their own, you know, complexities. And I, I wish... I had kind of put my hand up earlier and said, you know what, I'm finding this really stressful. But also, you know, it's around the routines, um, getting the kids out when possible, and it's not always possible. But, yeah, and making sure that we're having those conversations, you know what I mean, being open and frank with each other. Yeah. Sadly, as parents, we just think we have all the answers, don't we? And we have to be rock solid. Not always the case. So it is a, it's a big step to, to ask for the help there. What are you looking forward to? We actually get really looking forward to being able to go to my sisters and having their on land, so having a bonfire and roasting marshmallows and just, yeah, just being around family. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. We know there's a lot going on there and uh, we really do appreciate it and hope that you get to that campfire sooner rather than later and that yeah. M's on the improve as well. Yeah, they are, they are all the hopes. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much, Alison. Appreciate your time. That's okay. Thanks, Kath. See ya. Bye. It really is a challenging time for a lot of people. Now would probably be a good time to check in with Kiralee. 
Hi, Kira Lee. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Kat. It's a pleasure to be here. Fabulous. So you were the founder of Calm Kids Central. Can you tell us a little bit about why that was established and what you do? Sure. So I'm a clinical psychologist who works with children and I have a clinic here in Adelaide with about 23 psychologists and we uh, have the pleasure of working with kids all week who are wanting support for challenges. And unfortunately, like many child psychologists across Australia, we have burgeoning wait lists and that's why we developed this online program where children can watch videos and do activities to learn to manage tricky stuff in their lives and big feelings and give parents access to our panel of child psychologists that they can pick their brains and ask for support. Well, it sounds fascinating and I've got a lot of questions for you about that because it is um, it's, it is intriguing. In your experience with COVID at the moment, what sort of challenges or trends seem to be emerging? Well, there's some research actually that's just emerged and what they've shown is that children across Australia have absolutely experienced increases in mental health and emotional health concerns during the COVID period. So they found about 80% of kids in the beginning of the COVID pandemic did experience at least one trauma symptom and they found that 30% of parents said that their children were unhappier than they were before COVID happened. So we're definitely seeing young people struggle. There are a few different ways that they're struggling. First, they're struggling with grief and loss. So they're missing their friends, they're missing their sport, they're missing their parties, their rites of passage. So things which we think maybe it's just a a birthday party, but for young people, this is something that is a really important part of them growing up. A second thing that they're worried about is getting sick themselves or their grandparents or their parents getting sick. So they're they're nervous about health, they're nervous about the virus. Mm. Well, there's a lot of stuff there and stuff you probably wouldn't think too much about, you know. How much of just the changes to family routine and the way families are connecting, has that changed a lot? Yeah, so there are some good things that have happened. Um, We're seeing that some families who had parents who were travelling a lot, for instance, um, who spent a lot of time in commutes, um, have now actually got some more time to have those family connection times. Uh, But on the other hand, we also know that some families are operating in a more stressed way. Um, Some of them are using unhelpful coping strategies and kids are bearing some of the brunt of that as well. This part does interest me a lot. You know, I try and be very open and honest with my daughter, but is it healthy to share some of those anxieties, you know, and worries about the future with your child? Or as you say, is it all just about being more positive? I think it really depends on the child and their age and your situation. It it can be okay to be transparent to some degree about the things that we're worried about. But of course, we do need to draw a line and say, you know what, this is adult stuff and you don't need to worry about it. Mum or dad or whoever it is is going to figure this stuff out. We can share some things with children and particularly older children and particularly things that they know anyway and going to come across anyway, um, but we want, do want to put some boundaries around it. So we might say, yeah, this is, this is something we're working on how we figure out. Now let's go and watch a movie together. Let's, you know, get out that jigsaw so that we don't have endless conversations about really difficult things. Mm. Sometimes you do sense those there and you talk a lot about big feelings. How do you start those conversations with your children to have that sort of conversation? Sure. Well, what we do know is that some children are more prone to getting 
particularly worried or overwhelmed or distressed. And that's okay, but it does mean that for those kids, we might need to be doing more coaching over a long period of time about what self-soothing they can do, about what kinds of things they can learn to do to help themselves help themselves get back on an even keel. So there and there are lots of different things. So that might be teaching them about relaxing their bodies. So it might be about saying, you know, when we breathe slowly and make our muscles floppy, then that usually helps us feel and think a bit more clearly. And we're going to do that and we're practicing it so that then when you do feel upset about things, you and I are both going to take a deep slow breath. So that's just one strategy for helping kids build their repertoire of skills in managing their distress. There's um there's also been a big shift in a lot of the families that I talk to and other parents about things like screen time. Absolutely. Some of the um, I guess a lot of parents wanting to know some of the tips on how to then change those habits when we go back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. So technology, of course, is the centre point of our world now. We're hearing more and more parents say this is their number one challenge with kids. How do you navigate this? What are the rules? We start by trying to have a positive view about technology. The trouble is when we're really negative about technology, kids just switch off from us because you imagine that was something that was really important to us and somebody we loved just felt like that was the root of all evil. It would be really hard to relate. Secondly, then start by thinking, what are the particular problems? It might be, all right, the phone is getting in the way of us being able to have conversation with our child. The phone is getting in the way of them being able to get to sleep at night. Lots of people ask me about, you know, well, what should, what is a reasonable rule? And unfortunately, I can't really answer that because it just depends so much on your child, their age and the family. But what I would suggest is whatever rules that you try, Start off by having them short-term. So say, we're going to do this for a week or for two weeks and we're going to see what happens. Because if you have those rules in place that are short-term, then it's easy for you as a parent to stick to that because you know you're not going to have to do it forever. It's easier for a kid to make to cope with that because they know it's not necessarily forever. And then you might find after two weeks, this is all too hard, we need to modify it. Or you might say, actually, this is easier than I thought. I thought it was going to be a nightmare. We're going to kind of stick to that. Now we're going to chat with Emma from Melbourne. Let's give her a buzz. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. Your story is quite incredible at the moment and what you're dealing with. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family? Sure, absolutely. So I'm on my own with two kids. So I've got Angus, who's nine, and I've got Lavinia, who's six. Um, And then I work the emergency department and the trauma centre. And then I also volunteer at the MCG as a tour guide. In all your spare time. (laughs) You are amazing. I can't imagine just working in ER itself, but let alone doing it when COVID's present. How do you manage the sort of stresses and the high intensity of an ER and then home life and, and trying to deal with that too? Yeah, it's definitely harder um, at the moment. Have to be really careful with sanitising, and you know, I keep my work shoes always in the car, and have to always make sure I get changed. Um, and I've had a shower even before the kids can even touch me. So you know, my younger, my daughter will always say to me, "Mummy, am I allowed to hug you now?" Was that a hard thing initially for the kids to get their heads around? Absolutely. Like I, you know, I'd go to after school care and pick them up, and 
they would just want to hug me and I would want to hug them. But I, if I hadn't been home for shower yet, then, then I couldn't. It was a really hard thing for them to adjust to, and especially my six-year-old. For her to understand why she can't hug mummy yet is, was a really hard, hard thing for her to grasp. Yeah, wow. And have you got extended family in Melbourne that you haven't been able to see as well? Yeah, so my parents, um, they're in their 70s, but they're very well. And because I work in healthcare and my brother and sister as well, we all work in healthcare. So we've all stopped seeing our parents and that's been really, really hard for us um, and really hard for my parents as well um, to not be seeing us. They're not, they're not able to help us. Um, they're not able to see the kids. So we do a lot of um, FaceTime. So we do FaceTime every night. Wow. It's, we're so lucky to have modern technology, aren't we, to keep in touch with our families. So you're doing shift work and the kids, have they been going to school the entire time as an essential worker? Yeah, very lucky. So they've been able to go the three days a week and, you know, they've been able to see a couple of their really good friends that are there as well. So we're all incredibly grateful and they're aware of how grateful and how lucky they are to be able to do that. So how are they coping being back in lockdown after they probably got a sight of the real world for a little bit in between stage one and stage two? Yeah, it's just been really difficult the second time round just to keep them motivated. I mean, they're really good at getting up in the morning and they know it's it's a school day so they either have to get dressed in their uniform and go to school or the two days a week that I'm at home with them, they know it's, you know, straight into home schooling. Um, but the second time round, it was just such a blow to everyone to have to go through it all again. And it's just been a really long term. And then I think, you know, also the blow of being told that they're not immediately going back next term either. I think we just have to have a reset in the holidays and then start again next term. And so what does that reset look like for you guys though? How do you um, how do you manage that and keeping it all interesting and exciting for them and, you know, keeping those social avenues open, I guess? You know, we're a big sporting family, so it's been really hard for the kids missing out mm. on playing sport. But I guess the benefit of it, we've been doing lots of bike riding. So Lavinia, who in March couldn't ride a bike at all, can now ride proficiently um and then I guess you know just playing lots of games I've ordered that many board games and card (laughs) game puzzles like everyone else online another routine we have is that at night my son um, plays the keyboard while Lavinia and I will either cook dinner or Lavinia will dance and Angus takes requests so I've actually called it dinner and a show oh I love (laughs) it so we might have a theme, so it might be musicals or sporting songs or something like that, and Angus will play them and then we'll just, you know, have fun out of something as mundane as making dinner. We'll, we'll make it a bit more fun. That is so great to hear. And you probably <laughs> learn a lot about yourself and about your family. What are some of the big lessons that you've taken out of it? Yeah, so I think um, one of the things before this all happened is that we just were crazily busy and, and the kids, you know, they're really resilient, but they used to get really, really tired really quickly at the end of the day. And I think now we're just not rushing around as much. So we have a lot more quality time together. And it will be interesting to see what happens, you know, when we are out of lockdown in terms of how busy we all become again, because I think that's been a big lesson out of this is just to not rush around as much as we do, um, just to enjoy each other's company a bit more. Yeah. And is it fair to say that you built a, a closer relationship with your kids just having this quality time? It sounds that way. Yeah, absolutely. Their relationship has become a lot better. They appreciate each other a lot more than they did before and and definitely my relationship with them as well. And even in terms of schooling, I mean, I'm lucky that on the days I'm home, I don't have to work. So I'm very grateful that I don't have some of the problems other people have had with having to work from home and and homeschool at the same time. But even just being in touch more with what they do at, at school, like Angus had a 
a reading group where they learned about um, apartheid and they got onto Black Lives Matter. And it was just this amazing conversation that I know for sure if I'd asked Angus when I picked him up what he'd done that day, he would have told me he got four goals at soccer, but yeah. I wouldn't have known that they did that. So even just things like that, I think are really um, positive things that have come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds that way. You mentioned before that Lavinia has been riding a bike everywhere. Have you been making the most of that outside time? Has it been important to keep the physical activity up? definitely the bike ridings we've done every single uh trail that we can possibly do around here but even you know we'll go outside and throw the netball around or kick the soccer ball around and actually on the days where it's been rainy um and we haven't been able to go out you just really notice it of a night how difficult it is for them to get to sleep or just how different their mood is yeah it really does make a difference Obviously, looking after yourself is a really important part of being a great mum and a great provider. Have you been able to find some alone time to do that? And what does that look like for you? Yes. Yeah. So I am lucky because the kids do um, see their dad. So he has stepped up in the areas where my parents would help out in the past. So I do get that time to myself (laughs) when I'm not rushing around doing the shopping and that sort of thing. In that time, I will go for a walk with a friend and catch up, which is really nice. Um, Emma, as an ER worker and in a hospital and, you know, with COVID being so prevalent, do you feel a little bit of extra pressure with that, that, you know, the kids might be anxious about the fact that it could come home? Initially, I had a lot of fear around it um, and I actually considered dropping days or not working or taking leave. Interestingly, I was talking about the reading group with Angus the other day. They were talking about COVID and I heard him say, oh, people like my mum are really safe because they wear protection because what the teacher was asking was were they at greater risk and the answer was yes, but his answer was no because they're wearing all this protection and I wondered about whether I had given him that impression as a way to alleviate any anxiety he might have. And I was really surprised that that was his answer. So we did talk about it afterwards because the teacher did say, oh, no, healthcare workers are at much more risk. And I thought, okay, we're going to need to talk about this. You know, I did explain that to him and and he did seem okay with that answer. And, And Lavinia, I mean, the way I can explain Lavinia best is that she just sings and dances her way through life and I think, you know, a lot of things just don't get to her. I hear Lavinia is a a big netball fan and she's playing net set go at the moment. Obviously that's very exciting that she's um, taken it up but she must be missing it as well. Is she looking forward to getting back? She is missing it a lot. We try and do some simulation of it outside with Angus but um, it's not the same, obviously, as the group environment and just, you know, learning to play and she's really keen to be able to play hopefully next year. Yeah, she can't wait to get back out there and play Net Set Go again. Oh, how good. Has she got a favourite position? She She's, uh, well, she's a bit like me. I think she's she's not that tall, so she's, she'll be a mid-quarter. I okay. think the mid-quarter is a bit taller these days, but, um, but yeah. Well, tell her there's a goal attack that plays for Adelaide, Georgie Horges, who's the smallest thing and she's playing in the circle, so. Okay. I'll let her know she that. She can play wherever I, she wants. They always like shooting too, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Emma, thank you so much for your time. You are an inspiration. You're doing so much and thank you for everything you're doing on the front line as well. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Kath. It's been a, a pleasure. Kiralee, have you seen a lot of positives come out of this whole COVID pandemic as well in terms of, you know, quality time with families and, and just realising that we don't need to be as busy? I really have seen lots of families say, wow, we're sitting down on a Saturday morning when we're usually 
rushing around to you know shopping and sports and so on. I also think that we will see an increase in resiliency in children in this generation. I think that one of the things that happens out of adversity is that you learn what you're capable of coping with. And so what we've just seen is a whole generation of kids have had to experience a pandemic. And I think that they're going to be more resilient as a result. Let's hope so. That sounds like a a very good result to come out of it all. And what about the impacts of, you know, eating well and exercise and all that sort of stuff? Is that really important? Oh, absolutely. We know that emotional health absolutely relies on good exercise, good nutrition and good sleep. And it is really hard to help a child feel stable and, and confident and calm without those three things. And believe me, I know that's easier said than done. And, you know, if the last thing you want to hear is another expert talking about how your kids need to eat vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, be compassionate towards yourself and your child and know that it takes a long time for kids to eat healthy. Mm. Uh, but to be working on it. Mm. Um, same with sleep. You know, sleep is one of those things that we have to work at our whole life. You know, it's it's not something you do when you don't. And some people find it way harder than others. So, but for children, it's thinking about how can we make sure that they have those good wind down routines? How can we make sure that they're getting up early enough in the morning for them to be tired enough at night? How do we make sure that they're in bed um, asleep rather than being in bed for long periods of night time at the, at the start of the night and not being able to get to sleep. Obviously when, you know, we get to the other side of this, the demands on work life and everything else is going to change. Do you have any tips for parents about how they integrate back into work life balance maybe a little better? Look, I'd love to have the easy answers to that, but um, unfortunately I think this is a battle for lots of families. One thing that can be helpful is to try and be intentional with planning. So I think that planning our days and our weekends and our weeknights is something that we should put time into. And the planning time is where you think about is there anything that we're doing here that we can say, no, we don't want to do it. It's not actually that important to us and it's eating into our quality of life. Is there anything we do really want to do and is really important to us that we're not putting into our family life and how can I add a bit more of that in this week? Next, we're talking to Shari from North Queensland. Let's get her on the line. Hi, Shari. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. Can we just start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and about your family? Um, Sure. So my husband and I are both school teachers living up in North Queensland and we have two young children. Our daughter is 10 and our son is seven. And we hear you're a bit of a sporting family. Is that the case? Yes, we are. We both grew up in big sporting families and then I've obviously passed that love on to sport to our children. Okay. And Olivia is the netballer? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Right at the very beginning, we'll take you back to the start of COVID. Did you see any issues the kids were having? Were they anxious about what was happening in the world? Um, And since then, how often have you been checking in with them in those areas? I think like the end of term one for us is when things started to get a little bit real life. We had lots of parents remove their children from school and my daughter's best friend is the daughter of a doctor and they had to make the really difficult decision to take their children out of school 
because dad was dealing with COVID positive cases at the hospital. So when those sorts of things started to happen is when we first started to realise the cracks with Olivia in particular. 10's old enough to know and old enough to understand what's going on on a certain level. So, Did you notice changes in her or was she asking you the questions back then? We started the conversation with Olivia because we could see that she was having a couple of sleepless nights, which is not uncommon for her when her anxiety is increased. She had a lot on her mind but didn't know how to ask those questions. So my husband and I kind of preempted those outbursts. She's a beautiful teacher here at school who was able to have those conversations with her in the classroom as well. And we are, you know, we don't hide the truth from them. We, we kind of, you know, skim over some of the details. But if they ask questions, we tell them an accurate answer because that's important. We're all learning. We're all navigating it together. You guys are a very active family and very busy. So if I take you back to the start of, you know, COVID and the lockdown, was that hard? Were there some big challenges coming out of that for you guys? It was, um, particularly because our lives revolve around being outside and active. So having our structured sport taken away from all four of us was tricky, but I suppose the, the silver lining there was we found new things to do. We live near the beach, so we could still go to the local park. We bought scooters. We're all, we've all got scooters now and we can scoot along the pathways. So it was tricky because my, our children aren't used to being inside and that was not something I wanted them to learn. You know, as a school teacher, I see how detrimental that can be. So it was finding the balance between keeping us safe and keeping us sane, I think. Was that was that kind of a, a natural evolution then or did you have to discuss that as a family as to how you would substitute your normal active lives? Yeah, it was something that my husband and I discussed quite heavily, I suppose. You know, we needed to make positive changes to how we were going to keep some sort of active lifestyle happening. It was good for our mental health, but it was also good for the health of our family to be able to bond in different ways. Yeah. Did you find that gave you another family dynamic, another part to your family there? Oh, definitely. And it was it was it was lovely to be able to learn new skills with the children. Um, I think sometimes children forget that as adults you have to learn new skills as well. You don't just pick it up. And I'm as uncoordinated on the scooter as my ten year old is. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of cool to be able to show her that you don't pick these things up straight away. So it has given us new found traditions now. It's just normal for us to go for a walk on a Saturday afternoon or go down to the beach and look for crabs. That's been really wonderful. And have you found it's um, altered your relationship with your children in other ways or mainly just positive ones like that? Yeah, it has. I think also um, I don't think that we can take away from the mental health of our children. So it's important that we find other ways to be with each other and to be present in our lives and, you know, what better way than some fresh air and some adventures to, to help reduce that anxiety. Did you see that happening in the kids or was that a discussion that you had with your husband about, you know, having those open conversations and looking out for it? You know, my husband and I are both school teachers, so we're essential workers. So we had to go to work and our children had to go to school. So we were lucky in the fact that that normality and that structure wasn't affected too much. And we, my husband and I, made the conscious decision to not have the news on all the time. 
Um, Olivia is 10. She picks up on things Mm. really, really well and she has an anxious mind. Mm. So we had to make a conscious decision not to allow the news to be on all the time and it not to all be about COVID and how it was going on around the world. But we also needed to inform them of what was going on. So it was a really tricky time to determine what to share and what to keep hidden from them, I suppose. Have there been any positives that you'll take out of lockdown, like things that you might continue afterwards that have just been great learning experiences for you? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think that probably the busyness of life, I think twice about going to crowded places and I've started shopping at small businesses instead of chains, but also just finding new ways to spend time with each other. You know, the board game cupboard's got to work out and um, just a newfound sense of spending quality time together has probably been one of the most wonderful things that we could have got out of this. And who do you think is going to be the hardest one to keep reminding about that? Is it the kids because they want to go and do other things or is it you guys because you're going to get busy? I think it'll be us. I think trying to remind ourselves that the children don't need to be doing everything to be growing is something that 2021 will, will be a big challenge. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned obviously just being aware of those crowded places. So what was the return to netball like? It was it was really exciting. Um, I coached the under-10 team and, and those girls were so excited to be back on the netball court. Our local netball association did a really good job in making sure that the return to netball was safe and practical. And then it worked because we were able to have a really successful season. And at the end of the day, that's what was important, that those girls got an opportunity to be back on the netball court. So what's the one big thing or a couple of big things that you're just really looking forward to when we get back to normal? I think travel. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to go out into regional areas of Queensland where we've got family and spend some money in those in those towns who so desperately um, rely on tourism and also going to other parts of Australia to put some more money back into those industries that have suffered so much. And Shari, you mentioned your kids often asking you for help, but do you feel like you um, are able to do that or you're comfortable to do that if you need the help? I think one of the wonderful things about social media and the world that we live in now is there's so many people that can help you. So I I have quite a lot of um, memberships to different types of parenting forums and teaching forums that I, I get a lot of support from. And, and there was quite a lot of women writing articles on how to help teenagers and you know young children through this troublesome time. Very much as, as a teacher, I reach out to professionals for help in those instances, but also as a mother. I don't have all the answers and I don't pretend that I do. Mm. You sound like such a fabulous mum and a teacher. Did you, a lot of them, were you looking for interest's sake at those things or did you feel like you needed to more as a teacher than as as a parent to go looking for some of that advice? I found that those groups and those forums that I was a part of, their content was very much driven around how are we supporting our children through this. And I actually found a lot of of, um, strategies that worked for me as well. Um, Meditation has been incredible. Um, It's amazing how much better you feel. Did you try the meditation with the kids? Yeah, Alexander's not a a fan. Um. Because he's got to sit still? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He just likes he just likes the hum. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, but Olivia does. Um, it really works with her. To, you know, there's there's lots of ways that we can navigate through this red hot mess together. <laughs> yeah, red hot mess. I love it. It's the best way to put it. That should be the hashtag for 2020, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, thank you again. It's been great to chat with you. Thank you. <laughs> Kiralee, you mentioned a lot about, you know, kids feeling loss and grief and, um, you know, missing out on rites of passage and, and all that sort of stuff. How do you or how do we support them to understand that this is just 2020? It's not ongoing. I think we want to give kids permission to be sad and to talk about the things that they've lost. It's kind of a, a bit of a mini grief that you've lost something that was important to you and to just to invite them to express it, um, to say, if I'd missed out on that, I would feel really disappointed and I might even feel angry. A lot of kids won't want to talk and might not have the words and that's okay, but providing that space to do that. I also think we also want to reflect on or allow kids to reflect on what they've gained. So we can ask kids, is there anything that has happened because you haven't had a chance to go to netball that you've done instead? Is there anything that you've learned about yourself, given that you've missed out on this really important year 12 experience that you think you wouldn't have learned if this hadn't happened? We also, as parents, have a big job here to, to do, and that is to take a deep breath and be okay with our kids experiencing grief because children will be okay. And the more we try and somehow solve this or say, but it's all fine, you'll be okay, and we just allow none of that experience to be real, the worse it actually is for children. So it's normal that they're going to be feeling these negative emotions, and let's if we can make room for that as parents. Mm. They feel those negative emotions now and it's a different world now as well. Is there a need to mentally prepare kids to be going back to netball, to sport and to be have, having those social interactions again? For some children, yes. Some children who are feeling uh, nervous about that. Uh, for kids who are anxious about getting sick, we do want to keep focusing on the likelihood that they're not going to get sick uh, and the likelihood that even if they do get sick, that this is going to be a minor illness. Um, one of the ways to do that is to help them understand the news because when kids are listening to the news and watching the news, they just think this is truth with a capital T with no filters, no agendas, no bias. And that can be quite a scary thing. So we want to help children know that, yes, although there are a whole range of things that are happening. There's also a lot of good stuff that's going on. We want them to look for the helpers, to see the research that's going on, to see the people that are making efforts to make things better for us. As parents, I feel like a lot of the time we think we should have all the answers and we should just be able to give them straight back to the kids if they ask. But why is it so important for parents to be able to reach out and ask for support as well? Well, we know that parents' mental health is linked very strongly to child mental health care. So it's the old idea of putting your own oxygen mask on in the plane first before you put your child's on. If you as a parent are doing okay and managing what's going on, then the chances that your child will be okay are far higher. So we want to think about how can I look after myself? What are the things that I can do to um, make myself just feel fractionally better? What are the activities I can drop that take some pressure off myself? Who are the people I can talk to? Who are the professionals I can get support from? Because when we do all of that, not only are we going to be in a better place to be a better parent, but we're also modelling to our kids, you know what, self-care is important. 
getting help is important. And they watch that, they see that, and they will learn that really important lesson. Kirili, we're all so busy. Everyone's locked up in the same house and, you know, you try to look after your family and everyone else. But why is it important for your own mental health and well-being to continue things like, um, you know, your hobbies and things that give you joy? Well, we're achievement-orientated creatures in a way, Kath, and we feel better when we have something in the future that we are working towards. And so some of the time that's how hobbies and uh, activities give us meaning and joy. Sometimes the reason they give us meaning and joy is that they give us a chance just to be uh, paying attention to something other than what's in our head. So this is important for kids as well to reduce what we might call rumination time. So if we know that kids are spending lots of time going over and over negative and fearful thoughts, can we break that and intervene early and talk to kids about it doesn't help us to do lots of time worrying. What else can we do now that will keep our brain busy on something else? Mm, It's so true. I've done about six spring cleans of my wardrobe already. (laughs) Love ticking it off. Kiralee, if people want more support, what's on offer through Calm Kids Central or any other programs? So Calm Kids Central is a program where children aged 4 to 11 can access video courses and activity sheets, posters and, and discussion guides to help manage the big feelings or tricky life situations they have. So we have some courses in there for kids who get overly worried and stressed Um, and fearful to help them to act in brave ways. We also have some courses in there for children who are strong-willed, maybe kids who struggle with frustration. And we also have some courses in there for kids who have struggles with friendships. As part of that program, we also have our panel of child psychologists on hand so that parents who can say, oh, this is not working for my child or help my child is struggling with this, we can give them some ideas about what we do with families in the clinic who are struggling with that situation. Thank you so much for your, all your guidance. I have learned a lot myself and I hope that the uh, the listeners have got some fabulous insights and some tips as well. So thank you so much for your time, Kiralee. It's a pleasure, Kath. Thanks for your company. I'm Catherine Cox and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to our netball families and community. Don't forget to listen to the rest of Season 2, Talking to Teens, and Season 1, The Early Years About Life with Newborns. And most importantly, stay tuned for Season 3. If you'd like to hear more about HCF's partnership with Netball Australia, head to hcf.com.au forward slash netball. Head to hcf.com.au for more information and useful resources for better mental health and wellbeing. And remember, if you're feeling depressed or anxious and need to talk to someone now, call Lifeline on 13 11 14.